Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Today I'm going to be addressing a special topic because of what has happened this week that just can't be ignored. And that's the horrific terrorist attack by Hamas on civilians in Israel and the ongoing conflict that's resulted. Now I find myself, probably like you, torn between feelings of moral outrage and a desire for peace. I struggle, as I'm sure many of you also do, with how to make sense of such an expression of evil, the evil of the original attack and the ongoing violence of the war that the attack led to. I question what God requires of me, of us. I turn to the answer of President Lincoln, who when asked at the height of the Civil War, if God was on our, the Union side, responded, Sir, what concerns me is not whether or not God is on our side, but whether or not we are on God's side. Yes, we must fight the good fight, as Lincoln did, which includes the willingness to continue asking hard questions of ourselves, of our most deeply held convictions, and the side with which we most identify, even as we do so. What's happening in Israel today has its roots thousands of years ago, and a history that's documented in the Bible. But this isn't only an ancient problem. It's also a complex, modern, humanitarian problem the solutions of which are way beyond my pay grade. History has proven that the solution is beyond everyone's pay grade. But we all have a responsibility to educate ourselves and sensitize ourselves to what is happening so that we do not become a part of the problem. The world and our children are watching each and every one of us, what we do and what we say. Before we begin, let's take a moment for a word of prayer. Gracious God, our heavenly creator and sustainer, you have given us the gift of life, and you have created us to live in community. At the time of creation, you said it's not good that we should live alone. Because of human sin, however, it seems it is almost impossible for us to live together in peace. Today, we pray for the people of Israel as they suffer the effects of inhuman atrocities. Be with them, protect them, and comfort them as they mourn. Come to the aid of all the innocent people caught in the midst of this violence and bring the bloodshed and the horrors and deprivations of war to an end. Dear God, let there be peace. Amen. Let's start with a basic statement of principle. The massacre carried out by Hamas this week was, to use a biblical term, an abomination. In the long history of violence in the region, This surprise attack stands out above all others. To paraphrase the words of Franklin D. Roosevelt during World War II, 
October 7th was a day that will live in infamy. This week, Israel experienced its own Pearl Harbor. Everything else aside, Israel has a right and a responsibility to protect its own citizens. And every civilized person on the planet should be outraged by what Hamas has done. Their cruelty will be measured against the worst crimes of the Nazi Holocaust. There is no justification for this brutality, period. It's understandable that the Israeli response has been swift and decisive. In the heat of the moment, blinded by the fog of war, it would be presumptuous for any of us who are far removed from this war to call for restraint or for cooler heads to prevail. The immediate response of Israel was inevitable and undoubtedly anticipated by the perpetrators of the attack. If we have learned one thing about terrorism in the last few decades is that it's almost impossible to stop those who strike with suicidal rage and inborn hatred. The leadership of Hamas has openly declared that their purpose and strategy was to kill as many Jews as possible. They have no interest in the welfare of the Palestinian people. They're fueled by hate. Israel is fighting for its existence against a determined and hate-fueled enemy. For us in the West, regardless of our political opinions on the policies of the Israeli government in the past, we must stand with Israel. Period. I think that we can all agree that in the end, civilians are the ones who always pay the price for war. And that includes the most innocent of all, children who've not even had a chance to begin their lives. In this case, children were among those intentionally targeted. Even infants have been brutalized and slaughtered. Innocent blood will continue to be shed in Gaza as well as in Israel. This is a tragic fact of life in a time of war. While we pray that the Israeli response and those responding will do whatever possible to minimize innocent suffering and death, whatever blood is shed on either side is on the hands of the Hamas terrorists. I have both Israeli and Palestinian friends in the region, and we are all praying together for peace. I am always amazed that in spite of what they have lived through over the generations and what they are experiencing today, they manage to live with hope for a future. All of us, as hard as it is to hold out hope, must turn again and again to the words of Psalm 121. 
I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. Where did this problem start? How did the Israelis and the Jewish people get where they are today? I think it's important that I digress for a moment and briefly sketch out the history of the Jews in Israel. The story is so long and complex that it can be easy for us to forget or get confused. And we'll all be engaged in conversation with friends and family in the coming days and weeks. And it's important for us to be able to separate truth from fiction and opinion. Biblically, Jews trace their history in the land of Israel to an ancient promise that God made with Abraham, the ancestor of Jews, Christians, and Muslims, two millennia before the birth of Christ. God says in the words that are recorded in the book of Genesis, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after your after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land where you are now an alien, all the land of Canaan for a perpetual holding and I will be your God. Canaan, by the way, was the land that's now occupied by Israel. That promise wasn't fulfilled for the people who would come to be known as the Jews for quite some time after the promise was made. They would spend years as slaves in Egypt under the oppression of Pharaoh. They were then punished by God for disobedience and forced to wander in the desert of Sinai for 40 years. It was a long and tortuous history. Only then did they come to the borders of the promised land and prepare to enter it. Their arrival is described in Deuteronomy. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far western as the sea, the Negev and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. Now, if you ascend to the top of Mount Nebo today, you can look out over the Jordan Valley, across the Dead Sea, and you can still see the same thing that Moses saw, a vast desert in which lies a lush green strip of land along the Jordan River. This verdant strip is the land flowing with milk and honey, the land which, according to the Old Testament, God promised to the descendants of Jacob, whose name God changed to Israel. After 40 years of wilderness wandering, this fertile land must have looked pretty inviting. 
But herein lies the problem. The land that the wandering Israelites were about to enter and possess was already occupied. Starting with the famous battle at the walled city of Jericho, a violent history of conquest and war ensued. But eventually, however, the people of Israel established a real kingdom centered in the city of Jerusalem. Isaiah prophesied, On this mountain, Zion, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich foods, a feast of well-aged wines of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all the faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might come and save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The mountain to which Isaiah refers is Mount Zion, upon which the city of Jerusalem was built. It was a city that was built up and torn down repeatedly by the enemies of Israel. Within that city, the people of Israel built a sacred temple that served as God's dwelling. The first temple was built during the rule of King Solomon, about a thousand years before Christ, and was torn down to the ground 500 years later. The second temple, which existed during the time of Jesus, was again destroyed then shortly after his death and has never been rebuilt. We can only imagine the death and the suffering that the people withstood in that turbulent history. The Jews were driven from the land in which they had settled for over a thousand years by the Romans in 70 AD. And following the advent of Christianity, which was adopted by Greco-Roman world under the influence of the Roman Empire, the region's demographics shifted towards the newfound Christians who claimed the region as their holy land. After the advent of Islam in the 7th century, Palestine became the site of recurring religious wars, including the Crusades. During that time, the Jews were spread over Europe and other places around the globe, which is now called the Diaspora. The Jews would not have a dedicated homeland again until 1948, when the modern state of Israel was formed under the United Nations Partition Plan for Palestine. Israelis and Palestinians have lived in conflict ever since and have endured constant several large-scale conflicts leading up to today's war with Hamas and Gaza. But even in the context of this violent history, this recent disaster stands tragically apart for its brazen cruelty. But that was then. This is now. History is not necessarily destiny. But we are faced with an almost impossible task in finding in our hearts the ability to acknowledge our hate while we hold on to compassion and to temper our desire for retribution with an openness to seek future reconciliation. 
If we are on God's side, that is what will be required of us. For Christians, it would be appropriate and helpful for us to begin each day with the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives, it is in self-forgetting that one finds, and it is in pardoning that one is pardoned, and it is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. Amen. In our public lives, it is a time to stand up and speak out. Silence is complicity. As much as we might like to, it's not a time to crawl into a hole of despair. Now is the time for us to put away false equivalencies and to condemn terrorism and all of those who condone it. America is a land of free speech and expression, so we must drown out the voices of hate with shouts of God's love. With renewed intensity and deep mourning around the world this weekend, Jewish households will turn to their faith for comfort and continue to light Shabbat candles and pray, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to light the Shabbat lamp. Through their sacred ritual, they will turn to God once again in hope and faith. May we all, of all faiths, turn to God in our own ways and turn to God for help. And may we all cling to Isaiah's words. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God look upon you with favor and give us all peace.